Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is God Will Make a Way by Rob Wilson. We're going to continue with our Exodus series looking at Exodus 14. So just to recap, last week Pastor Liz shared from Exodus looking at Exodus 12 and looking at the Passover and it took 10 plagues before Pharaoh finally relinquished and allowed the Israelites to go free. Well, sort of, as we'll find out. When I read the Word of God, I like to imagine what it was like in that time. I like to sort of put myself, at least in my imagination, into what the situation might have been like. Do I need to move this up higher? We're getting a bit of, bit of feedback. Sorry, that all right? That better? Cool. So I like to put myself into the situation of what it might have been like. So imagine what it was like for Pharaoh back in this time in the Exodus, uh, the time of the Exodus. He had been through quite the ordeal, hadn't he? Um, We're not exactly sure which Pharaoh it was that was uh, in charge, who was actually Pharaoh at the time. If you read different... um, scholars about it, you'll find different people are mentioned. If you saw the Hollywood blockbuster film about the Exodus, they had uh, Ramses II was the one they identified as who they thought was Pharaoh at the time. But um, some biblical scholars um, point to other evidences that maybe it was the III or Amenhotep II. Um, but what we do know about Pharaoh was, well, firstly, he was the king of Egypt. He, was, he loved his power. He loved to demonstrate that power over his own people, but especially over the Israelites, because they had been held in slavery for 400 years. So leading up to this point in time, the, um, they had endured, he had endured 10 plagues. So firstly, they turned water into blood. There was the frogs, the lice, the flies, the livestock pestilence, the boils... Now, when I was teaching out in Mount Isa, that sounded like a normal day at school for me. They do it pretty tough out there, I've got to say. But, but it kept going. There was hail, there were locusts, there were three days of darkness, and then finally, the, as, as Pastor Liz shared last week, the death of the firstborn, including Pharaoh's own son, specifically mentioned in the word that he died. It also included the death of the, the firstborn of all the livestock, so can you imagine what it was like for him in that, in that time as, as Moses and Aaron had come before him to try and plead to get the Israelites to be free and he, he kept flip-flopping about whether or not he was going to let them go and it took this final, this tenth plague before he was ready to let them go. So imagine what it was like, you know, untold wealth across, across Egypt, across his country was destroyed during the plagues. Right, the future of Egypt was damaged significantly. Population was damaged. You can imagine that depending on the size of the families, that maybe up to 20% of the population died in that plague. Right? Um, so massive impact on the country. Think of the mourning that was going on, the way that people were feeling, the grieving, the loss. But also they'd lost their labour force. Right? The Israelites were slave labourers and they, they lost... Their labour force just got upped and left. The entire labour force of the country upped and left in the Exodus. 
And they, not only that, but they gave away their wealth, as Pastor Liz shared. They gave away their wealth to the Israelites as they left. So he's sitting there thinking about all of this. He'd let them go, but he's you know, fuming about that and, and stewing on that point. And his heart was getting harder and harder and harder. You can imagine him sitting there with his advisors around him, sharing stories of, of the death, of the destruction, of, of the calamity that had gone around them. And he realised that it was going to set him back enormously. And then imagine, as he did, as he's sitting there, it says that he he heard that the Israelites had effectively headed the wrong way, or what they would assume to be the wrong way as they headed off into the wilderness. They they effectively marched into what what we could call a wilderness cul-de-sac, where they were surrounded by mountains and pinned in by the Red Sea. And, And so as he hears this, Pharaoh quickly decided to recant on his offer and chase down the Israelites. But you might ask, why did the Israelites go the wrong way into the wilderness? So before we get into uh, Exodus 14, we've got to go back a page. If you've opened your Bible already, go back to Exodus 13 and starting at verse 17. And it says, Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. So, you know, the quick way to go... Now, Steve, there's a map there if you could put it up. It's, It's probably not really clear. You can see the Nile Delta at the top. And, and in that top corner is where they were. The easy way was to go across the top towards the land of the Philistines, right? That was the easy way to go. But they went down this red dotted line. And, and the Red Sea is where they were, up at the top of that little dotted line. Now, that red dotted line is their whole time in the wilderness, okay? So instead of going the easy way across the top, or <laughs> across the top, they went down and were trapped in by the Red Sea and were surrounded by mountains, so, but God knew their heart. God knew why they, they weren't ready to go into the promised land. See, to, to, to get an understanding of that, we've got to look into the mindset of the Israelites. Okay, they'd been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They weren't ready to head straight into the promised land. They, they had a mindset problem themselves. You know, think about that. For the average adult Israelite, they had been born into slavery their parents have been born into slavery. Their grandparents have been born into slavery. For 400 years, they, they had a mindset of being slaves. Joseph, who was, who was the, the sort of the hero, um, you know, he, was, he was a distant memory um, to them. And, and so for many, many centuries, they'd been held into slavery. They weren't, Joseph wasn't forgotten by the Israelites, but he was certainly a distant memory to the Egyptians and to the slave masters. So they were a browbeaten, brutalised people, treated very harshly um, by the Egyptians. Now, thinking about the mindset, we don't have slavery in the same way in our, in our culture. Um, but but if, we can, if we can think about something perhaps a little bit similar, like um, we have people who are born in the poverty trap here in this country. And again, I taught out in Mount Isa for a number of years and I worked with families where I was working with the kids. The grandparents had never had a job. The parents had never had a job. The kids had no concept that they would ever get a job. Their their whole way of thinking 
was was completely caught up in this trap, this mindset of, of poverty thinking um, from their own experiences and from the experiences of the generations that went before them. So imagine what it might have been like for those for those Israelites who had been in bondage to slavery. It had a real effect on the mindset of the Israelites. See, maybe we have limitations on our expectations of what God can do because of our historical experience. Sometimes we have a mindset that yeah, we, God might say something to us, might lead us in a direction, might give us a vision, a plan, a hope, but we limit that in our own mind because of thinking, because of experience, because of something that's, that's had us in bondage. See, God knew that the people needed to learn, first of all, to trust him before they could go into the promised land. They needed a wilderness experience to learn to trust in God completely. God knows what you can handle. He knows you. He knows what you can handle. He knows when you're ready. He has plans and purposes for you, but you may not be ready for that. And so you might know that's where you're going, but you need to go through the process to be ready for when he releases you into it. You may go through experiences that feel like going through the wilderness, but it's all part of his preparation process to ready you for his calling. See, interestingly, Jesus himself, before he went into his ministry, had his own wilderness experience. Um, before he was ready to go into ministry. He went out, if you, it's found in Luke chapter 4, verses, starting at verse 4, if you want to uh, look it up and read it with me. Looking at the temptation of Jesus, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God... Command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. And if you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God. And him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Jesus went through his wilderness experience. He went 40 days without food and he became hungry. And when he became hungry, he got tempted. That's why I don't do the shopping when I'm hungry. <laughs> because I tell you, I buy a whole bunch of stuff I don't need. But, uh, but, it, but it, you know, in, in all seriousness though, Jesus was tempted. Now, you might notice that in amongst that um, dialogue between, the, between Satan and Jesus that Satan actually quoted some scripture to uh, Jesus. It was actually Psalm 91, I believe, that he, that he quoted to Jesus. He quoted, but he actually misquoted the scripture. See, the enemy knows the word of God. All right? and, and to me, what that shows, it is so important that we know the word of God, we understand the word of God, and we understand what it really means. Because sometimes, even scripture can be used to sound... Not quite right. You know, it can, be, it can be misconstrued, it can be misused, it can be used completely out of context 
and, and people can get uh, waylaid from the direction they're supposed to go in. You know, Satan was using his old trick. Did God really say? He, he will question. He will try and get you thinking. Did God really say that to you? Is that really what he wants of you? See, we need to know the Word of God. We need to know the meaning of the Word of God, which is, to be honest, that's why I love Pastor Sean's preaching, right? because he always builds the context of the Scriptures and brings out from that what, what the Word's going. He, he helps us to understand what it's saying. I didn't just say that for you, Stan, so that you can give me a, a C this week instead of... <laughs> should have done the message on the uh, spies going into the Promised Land because uh, I know Pastor Sean's got his spies out here at the moment, so <laughs> keeping his eyes on me. <laughs> but uh, look, it, there is such importance in us knowing the Word of God and understanding what it means and being able to apply it correctly to our life. Okay, um, and, and even Scripture can be used and can be miscommunicated. So Jesus, in his own preparation time, went through that wilderness experience to get ready before he went out and launched into his ministry. So getting back to Exodus, there were around 600,000 men of fighting age, it says, plus women and children and men outside of fighting age. Scholars believe between two and three million people were part of this Exodus um, experience. It It says that they walked out in an orderly manner, And they took Joseph's bones with them according to the vow that they'd made uh, to him before he died, that they would take his bones with him. So this was no hasty retreat. This was an organised, structured process. And and all the while, Pharaoh's fuming. The Israelites were led by the Lord. It says he went before them in a pillar of cloud by day and by night a pillar of fire. So it literally says the Lord was in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. And he travelled there uh, with them throughout day and night. And so you imagine moving that large number of people. That's effectively the, the population roughly of Brisbane. That, that This population is moving out of that area and moving to, uh, to a new place. Um, so quite the logistical operation to make that actually happen. Um, so no quick and, and uh, you know, hasty retreat. But so, so it was a massive uh, thing that was happening there, this massive number of people moving so we now get to Exodus 14 and start reading from, chapter one, from verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Hathoroth between Migdol and the sea. So again in the, up in the thing, Migdol. Migdol's there. See, Migdol's there and the sea's there. Like there's not much space for a couple of million people, obviously, we don't know exactly the scale of the, of the map, but there's not a lot of space between that dot and the sea for them to camp, right? So they were all, the whole of the camp were, um, went into that small space. And, and they were told, the Lord said, you shall camp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land, the wilderness have, has closed them in. So notice that Moses here was getting the plan from God, or at least in part. Okay, He says, go down there and camp there. And Pharaoh is going to be, Pharaoh is going to say that you've been bewildered, that you've got lost, you've gone the wrong way. Right? He's, going to, he's going to say that. And then it says in verse 4, then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honour over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. So Moses got given at least part of the plan. He knew 
that God was going to save them. Okay, He didn't know how at that stage. He didn't know what was going to happen, but he knew that the Lord was in control. Okay, so And that the Lord was going to gain honour over the Egyptians. Okay, so so they did what was um, what they were told, and the um, and and it transpired that Pharaoh did exactly what what um, what God had said to Moses he would. That as he's there listening to his um, people, um, you know, and they were saying like, literally, they're saying, "Why have we done this? That we've let the Israelite people go from serving us?" You know, they had lost their labour force. And they go, what are we doing? Who's going to work now? Can you imagine what that'd be like if you had 600,000 workers gone? You know, who's going to do the work? Right? So there was a lot of turmoil in Egypt at the time. And, and so Pharaoh said he, he made ready his chariot, he took his people with him, and he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh uh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the ch- uh, children of Israel went out with boldness. Okay, so they went out with boldness initially, but then the Egyptians pursued them. All right, so they make their way down by the sea, and the Egyptians pursue them. All the horses, all the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea where, where they were told to go. Okay. When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. Remember, they went out with boldness, and yet here we are now, a couple of, couple of verses later, they look up, see them, they're very afraid. Okay, All of a sudden, they're very afraid. And the children, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. See, remember, they had a mindset of, of slavery. They, they weren't free people. They weren't used to being free people. They, they had fear instilled into them from the moment they were born by, by the slave masters who, who were just you know, subjugating them, keeping them oppressed, keeping them in this suppressed mindset. And, and so they were so quickly to give, even though they went out in boldness, they were so quick to give up on that as soon as they saw the army of the Egyptians coming after them. And they said to Moses, you know, what, what have you done? You've taken us out in the wilderness just to kill us? We were better off back there in Egypt, you know. Did you, did you just bring us out here to kill us? They, they were, they were pretty, um, pretty easy to give up on, on the plan. Sort of people who say, I told you so. You know, I knew this was going to happen. You, you, they sort of people who just, you know, snark away at, at, at whatever. As soon as something little bit goes wrong, they told you so. Moses, verse 13, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Amen. Verse 14, The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Or other versions say, You shall remain silent. Do not be afraid. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he'll accomplish for you today. The, the interaction between... So, so God told Moses to, to go before the sea, to hold up his rod, and, and told him what would happen then. He gave him the rest of the plan of what would happen, that the seas would part and that they would walk across and that the um, Egyptian army would, would perish. Okay, so Moses originally knew in part, right? he had part of the plan, and, and so he was... He was confident in the first part of the plan, but now 
God started to reveal to Moses the rest of the plan, the next stage along. Okay, And um, again, he said, I'll gain honour over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. And, uh, and they will know that I am the Lord. Well, I guess they did, but they didn't know for very long, <laughs> as we'll find out. I, I love this fact that, that Moses said, Moses stepped out in boldness based on the little bit of what he knew God's plan was. And he said, stand still. Right? That was his first word, was stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you, for you today. And then God immediately, when God speaks to him, immediately says, no, move forward. <laughs> You know, so Moses stepped out in boldness, stand still. And he was right in saying, stand still, pause, wait, breathe. You know, it's okay. But, but actually God's word to them was to, to move, move forward. See, to them at that point in time, moving forward was actually going into the sea. So when he says to them, move forward, the sea's still there. You know, so that takes an incredible act of faith to move forward when the sea hasn't yet parted, if you understand. Um, you know, so, so in a sense, I, I, I've painted out like Moses kind of got it a little bit wrong in, in that he said to stand still, yet God said to move forward. But I don't think he's, he's done that because I don't think he's, he's completely wrong because um, he knew that God would deliver them. And he was actually trying to encourage the people into having faith that he knew because he knew in part, he, knew, he shared what he knew in part, God was in control. We can trust in God, and that is so true. Right? It, it wasn't up to them to strive to do it. They weren't an army. They were just a people who were moving along, being chased by an army. So he knew that God was in control, and he was doing what he could to encourage the people. Okay, But, um, see, he knew that God would bring peace to them. See, God says to us, be still and know that I am God. That's a scripture. That's a real truism. Be still and know that I am God. I tell you, it's a powerful thing when you can be surrounded by the enemy, when you can be hemmed in by the mountains, hemmed in by the sea, and yet you can still be still and find the peace that's in God. That's a powerful thing. And and so to me, the Israelites needed, first of all, that change in mindset, the change from being a slave to change to being still and to have the peace that comes through that relationship with God, um, that they could trust him. Sometimes our stillness, however, needs to be found while we're still moving forward. Sometimes we have to find peace while we're still moving forward. Right? We may pause for a moment, but we need to keep moving according to the word of God. Now, Isaiah says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And there's a strong correlation between being still, like Moses said, and, and waiting, like Isaiah said. There's a strong correlation in the meaning of those words. The idea of waiting isn't sitting around having a bludge waiting for God to do something. The idea of waiting that Isaiah talks about is is actively serving God like a waiter who waits on tables. Okay, so sometimes in our waiting, we're waiting while we're we're serving while we're waiting. That is our our action that we're doing while we're waiting is to serve God according to what he's told us to do. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. It's easier to manoeuvre a moving vehicle, right? So we need to keep momentum and keep moving in the direction that we know God's led us and he can then steer our path rather than try and impel us if we're sitting around pausing for too long. So whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. 
Verse 19, the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. Okay, I, I love that point because they were afraid. They could see the army of Egypt coming towards them and they were afraid. So what did God do? Literally, God says, hey, I got you back. Right? And he went from where he was around the front and he went around behind and all of a sudden the Egyptians couldn't see where they were. The Israelites couldn't see where the Egyptians were and it and actually says that it stayed that way, that the, the, the cloud illuminated one and made darkness to the other and they, they never got near each other. Even though they were probably in a fairly close geographical area, they weren't able to see where the other one was. And so God literally says, hey, I got your back. And there, there might be people here who God's calling you to do something and he says, hey, I got your back. You know, you might, you might be afraid by what it is. You might not have the confidence in your own strength to step out into it. But God's got your back. And I love the fact that he moved around behind them and stood between the enemy and, and he said, hey, I got your back here. So verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand according to what God had told him, stretched it out over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind that blew all night. It made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So even notice that it took all night for the wind to blow it in, blow it open as he's standing there holding it. This was no instantaneous process. And, and yet they, they then were able to move forward onto the dry ground. It says that the Egyptians pursued after them. So the, you know, a couple of million people making their way across the, the dried waters as the, as the walls of water held up on either side and they made their way across. And then, and then the Egyptian army come across into that same bit of space to try and pass and, and it says that their chariots, the wheels start coming off, they start getting confused and in fact the, the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Now I reckon that's a mind-boggling piece of scripture just there because they're not, these are a trained Egyptian army, the finest that Pharaoh has. He's got them chasing after a group of people who are slaves and have been slaves. They're not an army. They're, they're people who are, you know, they've actually been quite fearful themselves and they're moving out according to the will of God. And yet the Egyptians are like, we've got to get out of here because God fights for them. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, they're not, they're not even an Israelite army that they're worried about facing here. They're just, they're just pursuing after people who are, who are making their way out. And yet they start to rightly <laughs> get concerned because God was fighting for them. As, as the uh, Israelites made their way completely across the, the sea to the other side, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea and the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariot and on their horsemen. And he did what God had told him to do and it happened as it was. And indeed, the army perished in the sea. So the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea and, and they'd gone through and it was open and it was dry and the walls were held up. And, and then they, just as the word of God had said, they, they saw the army perish before them that day and the Lord indeed um, showed that he was working for them. God will make a way. God will make a way. When we encounter obstacles... Faith can feel foolish. 
Sometimes it might feel that you've been duped by God. It can feel like that and, and you can feel trapped. I've had that experience myself and, and you can sometimes, you think you're stepping out in faith and you can feel, oh, I'm stuck here. Okay, but God will make a way. He's got your back. To me, this passage from Exodus 14 about the crossing of the Red Sea reminds us that God can make a way when there is no other way. When we encounter obstacles, we might feel foolish. We might, we might see them as obstacles, but again, changing our perspective, changing our mindset from, from our own negative thinking you know, to, to God, so, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as God does that shift in our mindset, God can make a way. Eventually, we find ourselves on the other side of our problems, realise that God was with us the whole time. When you feel overwhelmed, like Moses said, pause, be still, and remember that God is with you. Right? Remember that God cares for you, and then step forward in faith. Continue to step forward. Faith is not in vain. It's what propels us into a great future. God has plans and purposes for your life. Absolutely. But you might not be ready for it yet. You know, sometimes we can have a really, a really strong conviction inside that God's calling us into something and then it seems like it doesn't work out. It seems like, in fact, sometimes the opposite seems true. But I believe God knows. We only know in part. He knows in, in full. And, and you know, we, we might have the right promised land that we're heading towards, but we're not ready for it yet. And, and we've got to go through that journey along the way. So don't be afraid of the wilderness experience. It actually might be the preparation that we need to be ready. The important thing is that we're actually preparing for what God has called us to, that we're not just sitting around in the wilderness, perishing in the heat, but we're actually moving towards what God has called us to. It may be that the wilderness experience is just the preparation that you need to learn to trust him with your future. I'm going to um, in, invite uh, some people. I really felt strongly about uh, this idea of changing our mind shift, uh, changing our mindset. That there are people who, even though we don't have, we haven't lived in slavery, but there are many people who may be in bondage to a way of thinking. You may be in bondage to sin. You may be in bondage to, to habits in your life. You may be in, in, in bondage to a way of thinking. You may have come from a situation of where your family were you know, unemployed or, were, or had a particular way of thinking and you've always felt like you're stuck in that rut and you can't break out. And, and to be honest, what Kate shared this morning was great encouragement to me that, that uh, as, you, as you said, that uh, you know, God wants to release people today from that bondage. And I really strongly concur with that, that, um, that I believe there are people here who've been held back and, and yet what you need to know is to step forward. You need to step forward. Just like God said to the Israelites, you need to step forward and he will renew your mind and he will change you and he will lead you into whatever it is that he's called you towards. But we need to let go of what we've held on to and we need to move forward. See, the Israelites, some of them were grumbling as soon as things got hard and they wanted to go back to what they were used to. All right, And it says in the word of God that a fool returns to his folly like a... Uh, like a dog returns to its vomit, you know. So often, like what what they were leaving was terrible, it was terrible for them. They were in, they were in slavery. God was leading them into the promised land. Yet, yet as soon as things got hard for them, they they wanted to go back to what they knew. 
And, and I think the same can be said for so many of us. We can, God can be leading us one way, but then as soon as things get hard, we, we want to go back to what we knew. We go back to what we've done. We go back to the old stuff, right? And God wants us to break out of that. He wants to set us free. God can make a way. All right. um, Steve's going to put a, a song on in, in a minute. And if, you, if, you really, if you're one of those people who you know that you've been held back, we're not going to continue the service. Um, for time. We're not going to prolong the service. We're going to end the service now and welcome people to go and have a coffee, catch up, have a chat afterwards. But if God's dealing with your heart and you know you need to step forward because you've been held back, right, take that time to be still, to reflect and then to move forward into what he's saying, that he would break you out of the prison that's in your mindset. You would be indeed transformed by the renewing of your mind in this place. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.